Well, it's good to see you all. If you've arrived during worship, it's uh, great to see you. Um, this morning, we're continuing um, this kind of theme that we've been exploring about what it means to make room for others. And um, and, and really what we've been doing is thinking about uh, our, our sort of culture values. Um, really the way... We perhaps need to posture ourselves in order to make room for other people uh, to come. And so we started off uh, talking about a culture of change, uh, that change is inevitable, that change is here to stay. Change is the result of two things. It's a result of being healthy and growing. And, and so often um, when things grow, they change and we are in a season of change. And so the way we respond to change is really how we, how we aid that process of making room for other people. Uh, that we then talked about a culture of renewal, that we believe God is making all things new. That that's the process that we're on, that the church doesn't exist for itself, but actually we exist for the benefit of others. And, 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 and actually we are in the process of joining God in his renewal of all things. That it says in Colossians that he's reconciling everything on heaven and earth, uh, to himself. And, and so we, we looked at that. And then last week, uh, we looked at this idea of a culture of invitation. That in our desire to make room for others, that we are called to be inviters and includers. Uh, that we need to be willing uh, to be invitational. That we're not inviting people to an event or church or even Alpha. Um, but actually we're inviting people to a person. We're inviting people to Jesus. Um, that we, we, we want to say to people, come and see. Come and see what this person is like that has totally revolutionized our, our world. And, and, and so we want to have a culture of invitation. Uh, this week, the word we're looking at is prayer. And so as you've already heard, there's a number of things coming up in the life of the church around prayer. But I just wanted to take some time uh, to think about that this morning. Now, my guess is we would all agree um, that prayer is an obvious ingredient in the life of any church. Um, but whilst we say prayer is vital, it's often one of the most contested things to cultivate and keep at the centre of church life. And why might that be? You know, because um, the reality is, is that prayer changes things. That you and I have this privilege and this ability uh, to talk directly to God and have things happen as a result. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Um, that you and I can do that. We can engage in this thing we call prayer and, and change uh, and change our circumstances. And so prayer is meant to be effective. That's what it says in James. This is the book of James, James 5, 16. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Yet often prayer is quite difficult to cultivate uh, and keep central to church life. And I say that's for a number of reasons. We can have a false understanding of what prayer 
is. We can often feel like our prayers aren't being heard. That as a result, um, we become discouraged and uh, and feel like we have unanswered prayers. We fear prayers when the obvious answer to our prayers isn't what we like. Anybody ever felt like that? And we also have an enemy. We have an enemy who doesn't want us to be effective in prayer. And so as we talk about prayer this morning, I'm conscious uh, that we face a number of obstacles along the way. It's just, it's just the nature of, of what's going on. And so all of us, regardless of how long or short we've been following Jesus, we can echo the words of the disciples. In Luke 11, they turn to Jesus and they ask him a really interesting question. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so no matter how great we think we are at prayer this morning, or how poor we think we might be, all of us have something that Jesus can teach us about prayer. Now, if some of us were honest, um, then the truth is our prayer lives are often reduced to emergency prayers. You know, kind of like, you know, break glass. If in danger, break glass. We kind of treat prayer uh, a, a bit like that. And instead of prayer being something that we continually do, or instead of praying in advance of circumstances, prayer becomes this thing that we we turn to as a last resort. You know, I've tried everything else. I've, I've done everything that's humanly possible. I think I should pray. Any of us guilty of, of that? It's just me. Oh, just a few of us. Okay. And... Um, and, and sometimes we have this habit of turning prayer into like a bargaining tool with God. And, and so we say, God, if you can just get me out of this, um, if you can just deal with this mess that I've got myself into, then I will promise I will dot, dot, dot. Any of us, any of us guilty of treating prayer, prayer like that? So if we don't get anything else out of this morning... My hope is that we will just recapture how great and how privileged it is that we get to talk to God, that we get to pray, and hopefully we can be encouraged to pray more frequently, um, pray more freely, and hopefully pray more naturally, that prayer would be something that is natural to us. So let's put some definition to the word prayer. I guess Prayer in its most basic form would simply be talking to God or communicating with God. That, that includes speaking out loud, okay, speaking out our prayers. And it also includes the silent prayers of our hearts. Prayer can include things like journaling um, or writing our prayers down. For some of us, it might be the songs that we sing. I don't know if you've noticed a lot of our worship songs are really prayers set to music. And so prayer is communicating. It's, it's speaking with God in its most general sense. Prayer also includes listening. You know, uh, sometimes 
the best prayers are the ones when we stay silent. And, that, and prayer involves that discipline of silence and solitude. It's not just about talking to God, but it's also about a place where we listen to him. And it's through a conversation with God that we build relationship. Dallas Willard, he says this, he says, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we are doing together. Prayer is sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And of course, he is concerned about my concerns and in particular, that my concerns could, should coincide with his. So prayer is conversing with God. It's, it's communicating with him. Prayer begins with God. It begins with him. And that God exists in this thing we call the Trinity, doesn't he? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God exists as one God in three persons. And the Father and the Son are, are continually conversing with one another. They're communicating with one another. They love, they respect, um, they honour, they cherish, they speak to one another. And you and I are made in the image, the likeness of God. And we get to communicate with him as well. So the prayers that we pray to... Our ability to talk to God, listen to God, to be in relationship with him. Actually, we see the example of that in God himself. You know, when we look at a snapshot of the prayer life of Jesus, we get a glimpse into the inner inner workings of this thing we call the Trinity. And so as we follow Jesus, we follow his leading and his teaching us, and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we learn to engage in this thing called prayer. And so generally speaking, our prayers are to be Trinitarian in nature. To the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you one thing that prayer isn't. Prayer isn't telling God something he doesn't already know. Now think about it. You know, some people don't pray because they think, I don't want to talk to God about that. I don't want to tell him about that. He won't be happy if I tell him about that. Let me let you into a little secret. He already knows. He already knows. It's not that God is in heaven thinking, oh, myself, you did what? I can't believe you did that. You know, He's not, he's not surprised by anything we have to say. He's not shocked by us. There's no information that we know that God doesn't know. You know, when we, when we speak to him about the secrets of our hearts, we're not letting him in on something. It's, it's kind of like the way we sometimes interact with our children. You know, our kids will often, um, do things, won't they? Um, that you're blissfully aware of. Um, but they'll still come to us, hopefully, and, and talk to us. Because there's a relationship. And, and so our role as parents is loving them, helping them, teaching them, serving them, 
walking with them, instructing them. It's not that we don't know what's going on in their lives. It's that we want to be involved with what's going on in their lives. We want them to invite us, invite us in. We want them to trust us. And that's kind of how we interact with God in prayer. And sometimes we pray, and as I say, we move the hand of God. We pray, and prayers are answered. But other times, prayer is not so much about moving God's hand, but actually about changing our hearts. That we go to our Heavenly Father, and we talk things through with him. And, and, and we get to a place where we agree with him. And he begins to nurture us and speak to us and form us and shape us. And we learn to trust him and we learn to be obedient to what he's saying. It all flows out of a relationship with our Father in heaven. So prayer is, is Trinitarian. It's, it's to the Father, but it's also through the Son. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one mediator between us and God. And that's Jesus. And so, apart from Jesus, prayer is actually ineffective. Without Jesus, our prayers go no higher than this ceiling. And, uh, and we pray through Jesus. You know, he's the one who loves us. He's the one who forgives us. He's the one who takes away our sin, giving us access to the Father. Revelation 3 and verse 20. Jesus says these words. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's an author called Helsby, and he, he wrote a, a Christian classic on prayer, and he said this. He says, to pray is nothing more involved than to open the door, giving Jesus access to our needs and permitting him the exercise, to exercise his own power in dealing with them. To pray is to open the door to Jesus. See, the Christian life begins... <laughs> When we respond to that knock on the door of our hearts. And if we trust him, if we invite him into our lives, we come into a personal relationship. A personal relationship with God that changes everything forever. Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe the, the first prayer that you pray this morning is the one that invites him in. And so we pray to the Father through the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, amongst other things, is the one who teaches us to pray. In Luke 11, the passage I mentioned earlier, Jesus' disciples say, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And in verse 13 of Luke 11, he says this. He says, if you ask God the, the Father, he will give you the Holy Spirit. You see, the question was, how do we pray? 
And part of the answer was by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit in us teaches us to pray. Now, how many of us, and you don't have to raise your hands necessarily, but how many of us sit in environments like this and think, I don't really know how to do this prayer thing? You know, if we were just honest. And, um, you know, often we can look around, we can observe, and you say, well, I do, do I do that? Do I raise my hands? Do I put my hands together? Do I close my eyes? Do I kneel? You know, we can have all these kinds of different observations that we make. And some of those things can be helpful. But the real person who teaches us to pray is the Holy Spirit. And often, as the Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us and draws us, he begins to reveal the purpose of prayer. He'll show us how to pray. He'll direct us. And and you see, often we will reduce prayer to getting stuff. I don't know if you've noticed that new car, new job, making sure your particular football team wins. I don't know how that one works. You know, oh God, make the other team fall over. I don't know. You know, it's just, but we, we pray these things, don't we? Um, anyone pray for parking spaces? Uh, um, or um, finding a spouse? Um, some, some people pray, pray that one. I prayed that one. Um, passing exams. Anyone prayed that one? But please, God, let me pass this exam. I've done no study, but let me pass this exam. <laughs> Somehow, God, supernaturally imparts information into my brain. And of course, there are some elements to prayer that are about petitioning God. But Jesus says this in John 15, 26. He says, when the advocate comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. You see, the Holy Spirit comes, he teaches us to pray, and then he points us back to the Son. And and then through the Son, we have access to the Father. And so prayer becomes this Trinitarian thing, where it's, it's to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, who then reveals the Son and gives us access to the Father. The word in the Greek is perichoesis. It's this idea that the, the, the very person of God is in this divine dance where they're, where they're just mutually submitting themselves to one another, revealing one another to us. And so ultimately, the purpose of prayer isn't just about what I can get, but it's about me entering into this relational aspect of who God is. So how do we bring this back to mission and vision, as we've been talking about over the last um, few weeks? How do we bring this back to this idea of making room for others? The truth is, the prayer life of the local church is, is so linked to the mission of the local church. The two things go hand in hand. As the guys at 24-7 Prayer would say, it's the breathing in and the breathing out of the kingdom. And it's in a place of prayer 
that we're propelled into mission. We see this. We sang this this morning, but we see this in the scriptures. Isaiah, he's he's caught up in God's presence. He's worshipping. The glory of God falls. And and God says, who can I send? And Isaiah goes, here am I, Lord, send me. And so as we experience God's presence uh, in prayer, it propels us into mission. It's from a place of prayer that we, we go and engage with the needs of the world. That's the place where it comes from. And so if you've got a Bible, why don't you quickly turn uh, to Acts chapter 4. Just going to look at a couple of different chunks in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Just to set the scene, um, Peter and John, two of the disciples or apostles as they're known in the book of Acts, um, have been taken in for questioning by this group called the Sanhedrin. And they're, the, they're kind of like the religious elite uh, in their community. And it, it says this in verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Then jump down to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform Signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I don't know what you make of this, but it's it's quite an impressive prayer meeting. I don't know if you've um, ever been in a prayer meeting like this. But here they are, they encounter God's presence... Um, they, they pray and the place where they're praying is shaken. When was you in the last in a prayer meeting like that? Anyone? Anyone? No. <laughs> and then it says they spoke, you know, a bold and courageous, courageous prayers. They, you know, these, these guys were under pressure. They, they were disliked by the authorities around them. You know, the same people that executed Jesus were now on their case. So what would they do to them? And yet, they pray, now Lord, consider the threats. As if Lord, it's as if they're saying, God, you know what? They, these guys have got some threats against us, but that's okay. And, and, and said, despite their threats, enable us, your servants, to speak your words with great boldness. They're impressive kind of prayers, aren't they? They're not, they're not kind of like prayers that you stick on your fridge, on little magnets. Um, I'm under pressure, therefore God, give me an opportunity to be under more pressure. Um, but I just want to pick up in, in one verse in this passage. And it's true, but it's true to say, I think this whole passage highlights two fairly simple things. Um, that's going on. And that's in verse 24. It's after Peter and John, they come back to the church 
And they say, when they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed. See, their first response in what was going on was to pray. This sense of need to pray rose up in them. And why why was that? Or more importantly, why isn't that always the case for us? (laughs) I think one of the reasons that that was their first response is because they understood that prayer works. That's a simple, I know that's a simple answer, but prayer works. I'm sure there was lots of practical things they needed to discuss. Like, how are we going to deal with the fact that they keep knocking our door and threatening to kill us? You know, maybe, maybe Peter and John, you need to lay low for a little while. Just lay off the signs and wonders for a couple of weeks. You know, maybe we should just, you know, keep a, keep a low profile. But instead, they prayed. Instead they prayed because they understood prayer works. How many of us in this room this morning can testify that prayer works? All of us. We can all testify that prayer works. We have a room full of answered prayers, don't we? Some of this, some of us in this room are an answer to people's prayers. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That many of us have a story to tell how God answered our prayers. Whether that's prayers of healing, prayers of provision, prayers of salvation. Prayers which means circumstances went from one situation to another. As, as, as one former Archbishop, William Temple said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. And so we see a glimpse in this this early tribe of followers of Jesus who lived in hostility, whose, whose default position, whose default response was to pray because they knew prayer worked. The second thing, and it's probably even more simpler than that, they also prayed, I think, because they were desperate. But, and, and that desperation gave them dependence upon God. You know, the powers that be, the Sanhedrin, are threatening them. And all they have on their side is the God of the universe. And so they turn to him. You see, desperation often drives us to pray. It forces us to be dependent on God. Have you ever noticed how Christians and and the church that is situated in hostile, hostile environments find it really easy to pray? You know, we often look, don't we, to the church in the in the in in, in more developing countries, and we think, man, they they pray so fervently. It's often in the Western church we find prayer really difficult. But what if the issue isn't that prayer is difficult? 
What if the issue is we're just too comfortable? You know, what if you, if you went to the doctor next week and he diagnosed you with some sort of illness or terminal disease, heaven forbid. But if, if that was the prognosis for you this week, how many of you would walk out of a doctor's surgery and say, this is really bad, but I don't know how to pray about it because I find prayer really difficult. Would any of us find it hard to pray about something like that? We wouldn't, would we? You see, prayer isn't a difficult issue. It's often a comfort issue. It's because so often we're so comfortable and, and, and so reliant on our own resources that we, we, need, we neglect to pray. And so for these guys in this passage, they prayed because they knew it worked. And they prayed because they were desperate and dependent on a God who could answer. And so often our struggles with prayer sometimes reveal how much we're not really that dependent on him. And so as we think about this whole theme of making room for others, you know, as we think about what it means to accommodate what we believe Jesus wants to do in our midst, how desperate are we for that to really happen? Remember a few weeks ago we said that, you know, as the church continues to grow, we have a couple of different options. We can, we can lock the door and say no more people welcome. That's one option. Or we can think about what we need to change in order to accommodate what he wants to do. And so how do we access God in prayer for the things that we believe he wants to do? How many of us believe that if we pray, individuals, family members, work colleagues, friends, might be the very people who we're making room for? And so prayer is talking to God. It's being that continuous conversation, as Paul says in Ephesians, that we should pray in the Spirit on all occasions in all, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Prayer is Trinitarian. It's to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And as we pray, we enter into this relational aspect of who God is. And we get caught up in this divine dance of God. Prayer works. Prayer works. And it's rooted in the mission of the church. That we have a room full of people right now because prayer works. And prayer reveals our dependence. It reveals how dependent we really are on God. And so today we're, we're kind of launching this week into a week of prayer. And um, hopefully in your inboxes you will receive some different things to be praying for over this week. Our focus um, for this coming week is obviously Alpha. Um, Alpha is always, always a wonderful 
season in the life of the church where we get to be invitational, where we get to bring people uh, and, and introduce them to explore what it means to follow Jesus. And so as we finish this morning, I, I would love us to not just talk about prayer, but to pray together. Last week, um, for those of you who are here, we, we had the opportunity to name individuals that we would like to be invitational towards. And I know some of you have, have been brave enough to put that invitation out this week. Some of you have had a response like, no, get lost, no way, will there be wine? Um, um, all, all those different kinds of responses. Um, and some of you have had friends say, yeah, I will come and check out this thing called Alpha, which is great. Some of you are yet to be brave and make that invitation. But what I would love us to do, and um, maybe a few folks can come and lead us as well, is just for us to spend some time praying for some of those individuals. That, you know, as a staff team, we were praying for some of those individuals this week. As a, as the team who were going to be running out for this term, we were, we were praying for them on, uh, whenever it was, Wednesday evening. And, um, and actually the team have all the names of the people that you plan to invite. And so we're just really praying over those people. But we would love to invite you, uh, to do that too this morning.